Hello and welcome. You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. Download our mobile app. It's got a free digital Bible, ton of great resources, awesome online community that you can connect with. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a comment, tell your friends. It help all helps us to expand what we're doing here, and that is spread the word of God. I hope you're having a great day so far, wherever you are, and whenever you are listening. We are in Matthew chapter 9. We just got out of a segment where Jesus uh, healed a paralyzed man and said, Son, your sins are forgiven, and that ruffled some feathers because the religious leaders take a step back and they say, how can this man say, not just totally ignoring that he healed this paralyzed man, but, but he's, they're saying, how can this man say your sins are forgiven? Only God can do that. That's right. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And even the crowd's not totally getting it yet, and they're making the connection. And that's what Matthew's trying to do, right? He's trying to connect that Jesus is the Messiah, and ultimately he is Emmanuel, which is God with us. The things that Jesus was doing, only God could do. Now, he will pass that authority on to his people eventually through the Holy Spirit. We're not there yet. But this is a really cool part of... Uh, the Gospel of Matthew that we're going to get into, which is going to be Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 9, if you wanted to open up your Bibles, uh, because we find our Gospel writer, Matthew, accounting for his first um, run-in with Jesus that changed his entire life. And of course, he walked with Jesus all the days of his life after that. And we've covered Matthew's uh, background before, and we're going to rekindle that today. Matthew was a tax collector. And if you know anything about tax collectors in that time, they were actually Jewish men that were working on behalf of the Romans, and they would collect, not only collect the taxes from the people, from their people, uh, they would uh, charge extra on top so that they could make their living. So they were very much looked at traitors uh, to their own people. We know that the Jewish people were under Roman rule, which they were not happy about. Rome would continuously violate uh, their space, violate the temple practices. Uh, There are some really uh, awesome stories in history. Um, I say awesome just because it's interesting, um, but where uh, even Caesar and Pontius Pilate would try to put up images of Caesar right around the temple. It was just, it was bad. And what we're, what we, what you see in that first century is a ton of tension building up, which would eventually uh, lead to a rebellion, which would eventually lead to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. So Jesus is born into this 
powder keg of a society where uh, the Jewish people are getting tired of the Roman rule. They're hoping for a Messiah that will come and be a uh, military ruler to go after Caesar and to reclaim the land and reclaim a, a physical victory. But the Messiah that they got, and thank God for that, was more about spiritual victories, right? Because what, what's in heaven, what's in the spirit trumps what we have in the physical conquer the spiritual the physical will fall into place you seek first the kingdom of god and all his righteousness what everything else gets added unto your life so let's start reading here we're gonna look at jesus's first encounter with matthew matthew well i should say it the other way matthew's first encounter with jesus jesus was with matthew all along so let's read this as jesus went on from there right after he just gets uh, uh, yelled at for healing a paralyzed man uh, and telling him he's healed. Uh, I'm sorry, he's forgiven. It says, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. No hesitation whatsoever. So we know Matthew's condition stand, sitting there. We don't know his mindset, uh, but uh, it seems like he was ready for a life change, right? I, and the show The Chosen kind of displays this inner turmoil of Matthew and all this stuff. I love the show. Uh, they do an incredible job. Obviously, they speculate on some things. But what we can really pull from this was Matthew was ready to go. And there was something about Jesus that said, I am, I, I, I'm following him. And I think a lot of us can really relate to when we encounter Jesus, when we look at the time before, maybe not everybody, but I can say for me, I went through like this period of time where I just, things weren't right. And I knew I needed to make a change and I didn't know who that change was. And I worked with this amazing uh, woman, uh, Anne Marie, I'll never forget her all the days of my life uh, because she would pop her head over my cubicle and say, and, and try to minister to me. And to be honest, I was a real jerk to her. Uh, you know, I would, I would try to trip her up in her faith and she was persistent and she was loving and she was gentle and she, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was really awesome. And when I finally did accept Christ one day, I'd like to give my full testimony and how that happened. Um, you know, I was like, I remembered all the times that she would minister to me or give me a scripture and, and it give me things to think about. And as I started reading the word, I was like, you know what? Anne Marie said this. So, uh, you know, I had totally lost touch with her. Um, but, uh, you know, wherever you are, Anne Marie, thank you uh, for ministering to me when I seemed unministerable, if that's even a word. Uh, but, but when I was a jerk, we'll put it that way. So what I'm getting at is, is by the time I hit the point where I heard the gospel and I encountered uh, Jesus, you know, in a very powerful way. Again, I grew up in church myself, um, but I, I needed that moment. I was I was ready to go. You know what I mean? So everybody's different. But I just imagine that Matthew uh, possibly was, you know, contemplating life changes, trying to figure out where he needed to go. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And he says, follow me. And what does it say? It says, and Matthew got up and followed him. Look at that. It's that, is it? And we say sometimes, is it that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. Notice now, Jesus did not say, all right, Matthew, 
Let me sit down here for a second. All right. You got to put yourself on lunch break. We got to talk. Your life is in shambles. You, you know, you're a traitor to your people. You're a sinner. You're all these things. I need you to go make all this stuff right. And then if you do that, meet me uh, at the corner of uh, Jerusalem Avenue and, uh, you know, Ark of the Covenant Boulevard. And uh, we can go ahead and, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. No, he said, follow me. Because we get cleaned up on the journey. <laughs> we always want things to be perfect, and then we'll follow Jesus. I've been on the street with people, talking to people, and they say, yeah, you know, I want to follow God, uh, but I need to make some things right first. That's not how it works. You know, sometimes they just want to go and keep doing what they're doing, and then when they're ready to stop, that's a different story. But if we think that we need perfection before we can start walking with Jesus, we are sadly mistaken. So what happens after Matthew gets up and follows Jesus? Uh, you know, it's it's not, hey, high five, you know, Jesus got another one, move on. No, Jesus then goes to Matthew's house, which is an awesome testament to what we should be doing with Christians that Christians period, right? We should be fellowshipping with one another, but especially when somebody first makes that decision to follow God in their life, um, it's important to spend time with them. And that's what we call discipleship. And that's part of the journey that we begin to get healed, right? I always say we get healed on the way. So Jesus goes to Matthew's house, the house of a tax collector. So what we see is that Jesus touched people, that no one wanted to, uh, the leper, was willing to go to houses that nobody was willing to go to, the centurion, now a tax collector. And are you seeing a trend here? Jesus is willing to sit with people that the religious folks were not willing to sit with, right? And that shows his effectiveness and impact in the world. When we isolate ourselves in our own echo chambers and we refuse to be around people who don't believe what we believe, we do ourselves a great disservice and we do the world a great disservice. Now, I'm not saying that you need to compromise your beliefs, but what I'm saying is think about it this way, because what we're going to see is Jesus is dining at Matthew's house. I'll read this next part, and then I'll tell you my next thought on this stuff. So while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, it was just a tax collector party up in there, and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So here come the, the highbrow religious leaders looking at Jesus and saying, why are you eating with these people, right? And I think about the time that Jesus, and maybe multiple times, where he flipped over the tables in the outer court, in the court of the Gentiles. We, a lot of us know that story. Jesus sees them selling all the, you know, all the you know trinkets and and the things for the sacrifice and and just making a mockery out of uh, the even what was going on in the temple and Jesus starts flipping over these tables right so we take that small piece of Jesus's ministry and we want to build an entire we want to build a flipping tables ministry uh, out there and uh, you know I said this the other night when I was over at Forgiven Cafe I've said it maybe even a few times here and certainly at Sound of Heaven is that we get more excited about the flipping of the tables than we do the 
the sitting at the tables. And I will assure you that Jesus sat at more tables than he flipped. In fact, he flipped the tables of those who were saying, why are you sitting with those people? So again, I'm not telling you to go out and partake of things that are against your belief, but it shouldn't be against your belief to break bread with those and start creating an environment where they can see that Jesus is not alienating them. Again, we want so much to go out a lot of times and say, choose Jesus, choose Jesus, choose Jesus, choose Jesus. We go to, you know, knock on doors and choose Jesus. But we forget the message sometimes that Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. And I think that changes the narrative a little bit. Now, Jesus did tell Matthew to come and follow him. And Matthew did. But Jesus chose him first to follow him. I hope that you get what I'm saying there. So let's close this out here because this is maybe one of the, probably the most important, one of the most important parts of this here. So they ask him, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, verse 12, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice for I have come not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus brings up an interesting analogy where he says, it's not, uh, let me, let me read it. So I don't butcher it here. Uh, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I love that he makes a reference to a physician because right now, the, the awesome men and women that are the doctors in our society, they took an oath to care for the patients that are in front of them, right? And I was thinking about this the other day, even mentioned this the other night. When you are in front of a doctor, your circumstance and how you got there, honestly, you could have could just committed a crime and now you got hurt and you're there and their oath is to care for you no matter what, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the condition. As a matter of fact, the more dire your condition, the harder the doctor will work, and with more urgency, they will even care for you. So how much more God in heaven, no matter how dire our situation, imagine somebody being so sick that a hospital didn't take them in. That would be ridiculous. So why do we make that out of God, right? So, and Jesus quotes an Old Testament scripture. He says, go and learn what this means. So in other words, he's you know, smacking the, uh, the religious leaders. He says, go and learn what this means, which he's quoting out of Hosea, excuse me, chapter six, when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, if you know anything about Israel during the time uh, where Hosea is prophesying, their heart completely drifted from God. But what were they doing? They're still keeping the rituals. They're going through the religious day to day, but God is saying, I desire mercy for you and for one another more than I desire your sacrifices. And this makes me think about Isaiah 58 as well. Israel going through a time of bondage, looking at God saying, God, we're going to, we're doing our sacrifices. We're fasting. And what does God come back and, and say to them? This is the fast I've chosen for you. 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to heal the sick, to clothe the naked. You want to do, do those things and then your breakthrough will happen. Your light will shine like the dawn. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. It's not just about doing the religious thing every day. That's why we say we come here on this. We get together for the 1%. But if this is all you're doing every day for God, you're falling a little short. I'm just being real. Me too. It's what we do outside with the 99. It's what we take, what we learn here, and we go out. Amen? So Jesus tells them, it's not the sick that need a doctor. And he ends it with this. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. Now, well, maybe what they didn't get, those Pharisees, was that every single person in that room besides Jesus was a sinner, even them. And they had a real false sense of self-righteousness. And really, they should have realized that they had. They should be sitting at that table, too. But what I want to close with here is that everyone has a place at the table with Jesus. And when we keep people from the table, when we decide to flip their tables instead of sitting with them, and really what Jesus was providing was the ministry of presence. We have to allow people to get into the presence of Jesus because the presence of Jesus will change them forever. Amen. So my prayer for you this morning is that you hear the call on your heart like Matthew did to follow Jesus. Now you say, I'm already a Christian. I, I get it. You may not be. You may be listening to this. Whether you're a Christian or not, there may be areas of your life where you're still sitting at that table and Jesus is saying, follow me. There may be 99% of you that's all in, but that 1%, Jesus wants that because that, but he wants your whole heart. That will change everything if you just are willing to give that to Jesus. So what in your heart, what are you still holding on to that you can hand over to Jesus and be more free? And don't be afraid to be present in the life of pe lives of people that don't necessarily believe what we believe. Remember, we're not here to sit in the echo chambers of church. We're here to go to the last, the least, and the lost and to bring the kingdom of God to every single place that we go. But we gotta be willing to go, amen? So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just charge all my brothers and sisters that are listening to uh, this broadcast, Lord God, to be excited about going out into today and doing something different, realizing that that there is no situation where Jesus wouldn't have a place at the table for us individually and for every single person we meet. So, Lord God, let us be inviting to the kingdom today. Let us go and treat people with gentleness and kindness and all the fruits of the Spirit, and let's individually and corporately change the world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church, and this is the 1% Christian, where we get together, what, for 1% of our day? Head out and do something amazing with the 99. I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow.